Come on, let's give God a praise offering right now. There's a stirring in my spirit this morning. Because what I'm about to share with you is not just a normal message. What you have to understand is I have learned that suddenlies are never sudden. I have learned that we serve a God that you don't realize it when it happens. But if you just take time to look back, you will realize things built towards that moment. The time that I got a knock on my front door at Southeastern University. And that morning, all my friends went surfing. The school had given this pastor, who I'll see this Friday night in Louisville, tomorrow night, had given this pastor a list of names of prospects for youth pastors. Here I am, a junior in college. Was really serving the Lord. Really wondering if God could use me at the same time. Because I don't care who you are. Once you realize you're anointed, you've got to go through the season where there's the no way. That, that can't happen. There's got to be that season where the, there's the guy that walks on campus. Because you're always going to have proms everywhere you go. And you're always going to have a prom king wherever you go. And so what you've got to understand is there's always those guys that, like, they got it. I mean, they're, they're cool. I mean, I sleep through class. I wear flip-flops and shorts and a cap. And, and I'm kind of just, I don't, I mean, I don't look like I am going to be much. Are you with me? Those are the ones I like because they're the surprises. Those, they're the ones that punch the devil in the face. And I'll never forget, the Lord tells me that morning, he's never, ever told me anything except to go to school and not go to the other schools I'd plan on going. And all of a sudden, the Lord says to me, stay home today. I'm like, is that you? Why would you tell me to stay home today? All my friends, it's, it's, a, it's a Saturday. Everybody's going surfing, all going down to Siesta Key. They're all going surfing, all my roommates, everybody. Stay home today, Pat. I ignored it. I walked out to the car, surfboard in hand. We were stacking the surfboards. And the Lord said, I said, stay home today. And I went, fellas, <laughs> and they were all half saved. And like a lot of your friends. And, and all of a sudden, the Lord says, Son, I need you to stay home. I'm like, fellas, I know y'all ain't going to get this because we never did the thus saith the Lord card unless we want to break up with a girl and, and, uh, uh, or want to date a girl. The Lord told me we're going to get married. We're going to make babies. And, uh, and, and so all of a sudden, all of a sudden, and I, I told you this, that a few days ago, the Lord told me to disappear off the map. Leave the grid. Get off the grid. And that's why I just said, I said to Jamie, I said, I won't be in the office this week. Uh, for, for three days, I'm just disappearing. I was weary. I was exhausted. I had given all my Jesus away. I'm trying to show you something. And that day, the Lord said, stay home. I'm in there. I've got tapes, worship tapes that my mother have mailed me, has mailed me from integrity. And I've got them on, you know, tape player. And I'm laying on the floor. I don't even know how to read the Bible. And I'm laying on the floor at this college apartment. And knock came on the door. And I go to the door, and there's a guy there that you can just see the love of God on. He says, are you Pat Schatzline? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, you're the last one on my list, but I'm looking for a youth pastor, and I've tried all these other guys, and none of them are home. You want to go for a ride? We, rode, we drove an hour out to Tampa. He's taking me around these campgrounds, the old Assembly of God campgrounds. Basketball courts, softball fields, all this stuff. At that time, I was really into sports. And I'm driving through, and I'm saying, man, we could do this here. We could do this right here. We could do this right there. We could do this. And he said later, that's what got me hired. Because I was throwing vision out. And he had, had only seen one other person do that. And that guy at the time was the National Youth Director of the Assemblies of God. And this pastor, who's never pastored a church over 500, has raised up greats that are used all over America. And I ended up getting the job. All because I stayed home that morning. But I've come to tell you something that God began to burn in my spirit. And you got to talk to me today because I'm excited. Because I feel like some of you are going to step into it. We're going to lay hands on you in a minute. But suddenlies are never sudden. There is a process. 
Had I not begun to have encounters with God out in the middle of a baseball field or a soccer field at Southeastern, started out with four of us and grew to hundreds, I would have never heard his voice that morning that later ended up being the first position I would get hired full time. Karen and I were dating. We, were not, we then got engaged. Then I went, became youth pastor there. The youth ministry exploded to, uh, for that time, was pretty big. It was on magazines, all this kind of stuff. People were calling me, what are you doing there? Worst kids in America, trailer parks of Tampa. And it grew and grew and grew until eventually we got launched into this bigger thing. And it was a process. Are you getting this? Just like secret sin doesn't start overnight. Just like the Bible says, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the things you can't see. Secret sin doesn't just happen. If, we, if, you, if you're looking at pornography on your computer, you just didn't get there. You just go, well, I'm going to look at porn today. No, it was a process of not being disciplined in other areas till eventually you don't even realize you've now entered into a room that has a door and a lock on it and you're locked in perversion and that perversion will eat away at you and destroy you in the same way the miracles from God do not happen overnight I don't care what anybody says there is no such thing as a suddenly now it may look like a suddenly Yesterday, driving to the hospital to visit my mom who was having surgery, then somebody calls and says, can we meet you in the parking lot? We need a bunch of books. And I said, sure, the new book. So I met him in the parking lot. It looked like I was dealing drugs out there, uh, Adam. You, you understand what I'm saying? And, and, um, and I'm standing back there going, here, take the books. And, and then they handed me some cash. They handed me some cash and said, we want you to take your family out to supper. And I'm going, but you're a missionary, Chi Alpha missionary. What are you doing? Then I get to the car dealership, find out that God's going to bless and I'm going to be able to get a new car after the accident that I had uh, and and not have to cost me any extra. In fact, actually, a $15,000 debt get wiped out because something called gap insurance. I love the gap. And, and, then, and then the owner of that, I'm trying to take you somewhere. Then the owner of that all of a sudden walks up to me, sees my book in my hand. I know the owner of the car dealership. He's been family friends for years and years and years. His son and I used to hang out together when we weren't saved. And, and uh, he walks up to me and says, can I have a copy of that book? And, and I hand him my book, and he looks at it, because I brought one in for the, D, for, for the GM, who's a good friend. And he looks at it, tears fill his eyes, pulls out a $20 bill, and says, I want to pay for it. I said, no, sir. You've been family. I mean, you, we bought cars from you for 20 years. And he said, no. He's not a believer. He says, I feel something. And he puts it, he said, give me that 20 back. And I went, that's awkward. Indian giver. Here. Give me my book. And all of a sudden he pulls it, puts it back in and pulls a hundred out. And says, take Karen out to supper. Twice I've been told to take her to supper. Today, Pastor Jeremy was telling me something about what God's doing. You're going to hear about it in a moment. And I pulled that hundred in my wallet out and handed it to him. And said, I've got to sow this now. Because I understand suddenlies aren't sudden. There's something else going to happen now. I'm trying to get you to build your faith. Because some of you should be sitting in some philosophy class listening to some fool tell you about humanism and how God is not a God of today. And so I must teach this. And I wrote this message last night and this morning to share with you because God began to burn in my spirit that suddenly isn't very sudden. Are you ready? Look in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. Acts the 16th chapter. We're going to come back to this. You know how I do. I always share an opening verse and come back to that story later to wrap it all up. But I'm going to show you something. I want to show you at the end of this. So let me just drop it in your spirit and let you know that what you call prison, God calls holy of holies. And Acts 16, verse 24, it says, when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell. Everybody say inner cell. You ain't been locked up till you have to deal with yourself. That's why he had to put Jonah in a prayer closet called a whale. What you call isolation, God calls revelation. Ask John on the Isle of Patmos. Until you get put in that place where it's you and the walls, you're not really. I've always said the scariest place you'll ever visit is your prayer closet when you've not been there very often. Because you've got to get in there and clean out the cobwebs. And you've got to get in there and figure out what have I got to say. And so what you've got to understand is when he received these orders, the Bible says in Acts 16, 24, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. I'm always amazed. Let me take you on a journey before I get back to Acts 16. I'm always amazed at how shocked we are when God does what he says. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm even more shocked that we did not realize it was the end result of a lot of actions that led to a door of opportunity. There are no suddenlies. 
There's just a process. That's why I'm calling this suddenly isn't very sudden. Ten years ago, last month, a young lady, I believe you came in January, in August. So this August be 10 years? Or this August be 11 years? We haven't had a chance to celebrate. We're going to celebrate the, the, the 10 years of Jamie. But it all started with doing a school assembly, which I'm not any good at. It's weird. She's here. Because I'm just not good at those things. Then preach it in a church. Say, why don't you come to Fayetteville, North Carolina? I think it was Fayetteville. And then all this transition began to happen. And now the... The, really, the vice president of this ministry to Karen and I is Jamie. It's not, she didn't suddenly sit in this place. It was a process. It was transitions. What I'm trying to take you on a journey is to build your faith this morning because some of you do not have the same spirit that we have to require of you. Because I sat in a man's office this last week, walked in, I said, let me tell you about my visit with David Green at Hobby Lobby. Tears well up in his eyes and he said, and I said, let me tell you about this property I saw and then he, in Boston that he, they bought that was D.L. Moody's property. It's this beautiful property two hours north of Boston. And then next thing I know, we're on the phone. Then I emailed David uh, Green's office and we're meeting next Monday on uh, February, uh, a week from Monday, February the uh, the 25th, because you got to understand something. Suddenlies aren't sudden. There's some things that are happening. But there's always a process. In fact, I came up with an equation when I was writing this word, and the equation is this. Personal awakening plus revelation plus obedience plus discipline and planning equals suddenly. It shouldn't really be it. Look, personal awakening, God is big. Then revelation, he can do this. Then all of a sudden, I'm going to get obedient to what he's told me to do. And then I'm going to discipline my life so that I can get to that process. Remember, he told Elijah, hey, Elijah, I know there's been a drought for three and a half years, but it's going to rain. What did Elijah do? Run around and say, it's going to rain. We, it's raining. No, he went and prayed because just because you have a prophetic word doesn't mean you don't have to pray it into being. Right? Some of us think that, okay, cool. You're going to preach to thousands. Okay, cool. I'm just going to sit here at home in a lazy boy. I'm going to turn on Sports Center and I'm just going to wait on that phone call. No, there's a process. What I found out, God is a great fortune teller, He'll give you a crystal ball glance, but He doesn't ever tell you how to get there because it's in the in between that you become the person that can handle the stage. Are you with me? There's no suddenlies. And then look, personal awakening plus revelation plus obedience plus discipline plus planning equals that big suddenly you think just happened. It's the Bible test we give you. Learn the books that you preach about. Learn the authors that you preach about. Because I'm tired of Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses knowing their Bibles better than us. That's why I say to you, nobody leaves today till you get your Bible test done. Because if you don't know that stuff, I'm not letting you operating on me, operate on me, doctor, till you've been to medical school. It's that process. Jesus understood the process. Look what it says in Philippians 2.5. It says, think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status, no matter what. In other words, he didn't run around and say, I'm the son of God, bow. In fact, he would look at Peter, and when Peter would say, you are Christ, the son of God, and he would go, and that's what my church will be built on. He would heal people and say, don't tell anybody who did it. Just go to the doctor and say, Psst, I don't know. In fact, he said, if I catch you bragging about it, you'll be sicker than you were before. I think we wonder why, why sickness comes back sometimes. Because we, we say the antibiotic did it. And Jesus says, all right, fine. Let's see what your antibiotic can do right now. Look what it goes on to say. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity. Process. Took on the status of a slave. Became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. He didn't live in a palace. Didn't ride a white horse. Didn't have servants. Instead, look what it goes on to say. He lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death that, at that, a crucifixion. It was a process. 
He wasn't just suddenly hanging on a cross. That would have messed everything up. Everybody come look. There's a guy hanging on the cross. Nobody's ever heard of him. No, no, this guy was born into flesh. He exited the womb of a woman. This guy walked through things, probably lost his earthly dad. His own family didn't believe in his miracles. His own disciples walked away from him at one point. He's been betrayed by two others. One committed suicide. Now he's hanging there because that's not suddenly. That's, a, that's been a 5,000-year a, a process building up to this moment. And the realization of a catalyst moment comes when you simply walked out as promises and did the simple things. The realization, how did I just get hired at this great church? Because you did a process. And the process is discipline. I showed up at prayer every morning at 8 when I didn't feel like it. I sent accountability report when I didn't feel like it. And then all of a sudden, boom! You're touching thousands. And you, if you ever think that it happens like that, it doesn't. Because... There's that process of sooner or later, every man has to face his daddy's demons. That process of brokenness. That's why Jesus' first miracle was wine. He was saying, hey, I can turn water into wine. And that's the Christian walk. I can take you from just blah, empty, to connecting to the vine, sitting in the sun, growing, breaking off onto the ground, being stomped on, put inside of a chamber, Hidden suddenly in a cellar for years. And eventually pouring you out like a drink offering. That whole process was discipleship. He was trying to say to them, I can turn water instantly into wine, but you can't become wine instantly. That's what makes my miracle so great. In fact, not just the, the, the real wine, just good wine. I'm going to give you the best wine. I'm going to save it for last. Welcome to this generation. Are you getting this? Oh, this is on me right now. Because I think I've had a spiritual awakening. That in the weariness of doing everything we do, it's real easy to not enjoy the journey. You're going to look back someday at your years here. And you're going to go, man, I miss the stuff we used to do. I miss the, you think you got responsibility now. I miss just, hey, it's midnight. Let's go, let's go to get McDonald's. Because that, that doesn't happen anymore. I miss showing up and hiding in this cocoon called ministry training because now I just got stopped on Sunday and told me I was the worst youth pastor in the world or some kid looked at me and said, I hate you and what you stand for. You don't believe that can happen. Just call my daughter-in-law because she had it happen to her about three weeks ago and it broke her heart. Some little girl said, I hate you. She called Karen hysterical. She didn't know that existed. Listen to me. Faith brings the trust, part one. Do you see what I see? You don't. Can you imagine what I imagine? You can't because you haven't been on my journey. Does your small level of faith make way for a new level of belief? See, I'm there. I, I, I not only have faith, but I actually trust. And there's a big difference, and let me just say this clearly, between faith and trust. You know what faith is? It's getting on your knees, believing there's a God out there that can forgive you. That's faith. I got faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. It's impossible to please God without faith. But there is another level of Christian walk called trust. When you move to that level, nothing is impossible. When you move to that level, people don't shake you. You're not ruled by principalities that flow through personalities. Instead, everything shifts. You suddenly begin to realize, you know what? I have faith God called me, but now I trust he called me. I got faith he can meet my needs. Now I just know he's going to do it. See, I, I have faith that stool will, will hold me right there, but the opposite of faith is trust. I'm going to sit down on it. 
because I know it can hold me, all right? It's a new level. It looks like a pretty stable chair over there, but you know what I'm going to take? I'm going to go to another level, and I'm going to put all this on it. You get what I'm saying? I'm going to sit down on it and see if it can handle who I am. You're not getting this yet. There's a level of faith God is calling this school to, to begin to walk. Quit dealing with the dumb little things we've been dealing with, but a level of saying, you know what? I want to go farther. I don't, I don't just believe God can do it. I know he's going to do it because I have sold everything out to him. Trust is I not only believe it will happen, but I am going forward without a shadow of a doubt. That will change the way we walk into hospitals and walk into altar calls. It's going to happen. I not only have faith, but I have trust. That's the part of the suddenlies. It, you have to shift in your mentality. It's Psalms 78. He planted a witness in Jacob, said his word firmly in Israel, then commanded our parents to teach it to their children so the next generation would know and all the generations to come is a generational anointing, know the truth and tell the stories so their children can trust in God. Do you see the process to the suddenly? So when Uncle Billy gets saved over here, it's because it's been passed on from generation to generation. He didn't just suddenly give his heart to God. There was something, never forget the works of God, but keep his commands to the, to the letter. Heaven forbid they should be like their parents, bullheaded, bad, a fickle and faithless bunch who never stayed true to God. Listen to this verse right here. The psalmist is saying the process started with a little seed planted in Jacob, then if birth witnesses, and then there was teaching that went on through generations and knowledge, then came trust, and without the process, there's no disciplined life. See, this is what you're getting hung up on as a young believer, as a young person in ministry. You're getting hung up on the process. You want the suddenly. But if the suddenly happens now, you will, it, will, it, will, it would destroy you. You're not ready for the suddenly. It's when you can look back at the process and go, my God, how did all that, how did I make it through that? It's the process. And I think some of us are unequally yoked in this school of ministry right now. I feel it in my spirit, and I must speak to it because uh, the work must be done. To tell if you're unequally yoked, here's some things. The work must be done, but you don't feel ownership. You don't buy into this. The value of one lost soul being saved, and you don't really appreciate it. You don't realize that that we're a team together, we can accomplish greatness. But you, you don't realize that because you're still stuck in your little mirror. And you got your compact out every time. I say, we're going to do something great. You pull out your lipstick and your compact. Let me see how I look. Because people are going to be looking at me. You know what I love about Karen? We're on Daystar TV Network. They put the camera on her twice. I did all the talking. They even asked her a question and never came back to it. And she was okay with that. Because you were, what's our song? It was okay to be in my shadow. Then suddenly this week, the phone's ringing about her, not about Pat. You're not getting what I'm saying. You were content to live in my shadow. We're unequally yoked if... We see your potential, but you don't. Because that's like telling a tree it can grow, but it not desiring water. We understand the price of the call, but you don't. And so you think I'm just going to hand it to you. We're willing to do everything for the goal, but you aren't. Because you can see something better after this place. So you can't do the, the now. You, you won't do the now to get the vow. You won't. You, you get what I'm saying? And. You want it all quickly, but you're willing, you're, and you're willing to skip the steps. And then what we're going to do is we're going to send you out as an incomplete person. And then somebody's going to get hurt because I didn't take time to beat the integrity into you and the honor into you and the servant heart into you. And somebody that you're going to be sitting, that's going to be sitting up under your anointing is either going to pick up your spirit or get wounded by your spirit. And because you want it now, you want the suddenly. Am I right, Jeremy? Um, they want the suddenly now and show up for Bible study. I, I love what DJ did. He said, I want to lead a small group. So now on Wednesday night, he's going to lead a small group. We, we, 
with, with who? With you. To, to some folks that really don't fit in. They're not going to make you popular. They're not going to. And, and that, that's, that's doing the now to get the vow. I, you're not getting this yet. See, I would show up and preach to three kids at a Youth Alive class every morning in all these different schools. And sometimes it would be me and three people, but I would preach like I'm preaching to you right now because it was, I knew, I knew that when I woke up in the morning, where I'm at is not where I'm going, but I got to do what I, I got to do what I got to do where I'm at to get where I'm going. There's a process. God told me to come and build your faith this morning and tell you to get off your high horse and realize that the only way to climb to the cross is up a hill. And so you got to understand, it's Romans 4 verse 15, this is the way the fulfillment of God's promise depends entirely on trusting God. Look at this verse. This is the way the fulfillment of God's promise. It depends entirely on trusting God, his way, and then simply embracing him and what he does. God's promise arrives as a pure gift. That's the only way everyone can be sure to get in on it. Those who keep the religious traditions and those who have never heard of them. For Abraham is our father of us all. He's not our racial father. That's reading the story backwards. He is our faith father. <laughs> See, if you just look at Abraham going, but he's Jewish and I'm German. It don't work. You got to realize that there was something planted a long time ago when he took Abraham for a walk and said, look down. What do you see? I see the sand and woke up. What do you see? I see the stars. So shall your heavenly seed be. You have to understand that there was a process set in motion long before you were even thought of a glimpse of before your great grandparents. Why? Because God is a God of completion. Can I give you the season of lost suddenlies, though? I know what it's like to go through seasons where nothing is happening. It's the guy I met at the car lot yesterday who's been a friend for years, whose son has a debilitating disease that he has to change his diaper every day. He's 12 years old. His name is Rush. Rush should be a big beast of a man, but he says, Pat, I go home at night, and my teenage daughter might smile at me, and she may ignore me, but I know there's always a smile in that wheelchair. So he told me yesterday, and I'm handing him my book because he's really wounded. Yeah, I know he'll never throw a baseball to me, Pat, but I know there's a smile in that wheelchair. He said, the hardest thing we're trying to figure out right now is our family lives in one state. Her family lives in another, my family does in another state. And we live here. Where do we bury him? And I looked at him and I said, just bury him where you're. I, when, when that time comes, I said, just put him in the place where you like to rest the most. What town do you like to rest in the most? He said, oh, that's good. And I gave him my book. I didn't know that last December when I was hiding away and you all were enjoying Christmas my family's downstairs decorating a tree and I'm up there typing away that it would end up to a suddenly moment to a guy that I've known for years and he has a wall up because he's wounded. I suddenly had a moment standing in the car dealership lot where I suddenly walk over and hand him my book and I go, Matt, I want to give you this. I signed it for your family to the battles, my heroes. His eyes teared up. But that suddenly moment all the times I bought cars from him, and don't tell me about what you do. Head of finance. It ended up being a suddenly moment, but it wasn't suddenly. It was a guy disciplined enough to write a sermon after jogging. Oh, you're not getting this. See, because you want the now without the vow. You want the process. You want to have sex with God, but you don't want to marry him. You want to, you know, the fun part. You want to make the baby, but you don't want to change its diaper. You want to walk around and say, look at what I made. Somebody else teach him to walk. And God says, if I give it to you full grown, your ministry full grown, you won't remember what it took to get there. Proverbs 13, 12, unrelenting disappointment leaves you heartsick, but a sudden good break can turn life around. But it's so easy to have lost suddenlies. Maybe God changed his mind, right? Sometimes that's the way it feels. Hey, he called me at your youth conference and now I'm in your school and all hell's breaking loose and people back home are now ignoring me and nobody's taking my calls. And I'm, I, I'm trying to live in both worlds, Pastor Pat. I'm trying to be friends with them so when I go home to see them, but I'm increasingly feeling the separation and I don't get that separation. Maybe God messed up. Really? Because look what it says in Numbers. It says right here, it says, it says, God is not man 
one given to lies and not a son of man changing his mind. Does he speak and, and not do what he says? Does he promise and not come through? It's Hebrews 6.18. When God wanted to guarantee his promise, he gave his word a solid, a rock solid guarantee. God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. God says your promise is not, it can't be broken. It can't be unchanged unless you. And so I've limited God lately. Psalm 77 said he's a God of miracles, and I have limited him. I think sometimes we become just like Ananias and Sapphira. We walk in and say we're giving our, our everything, and the ones that really believe are the ones that are going to drag us out when we're laying on our backside dead. Because we're saying, God, I've given you all of me, but you really haven't. And he's standing there going, Simon Peter's going, did you really give it all? This is your chance. You're getting a moment here. Did you really give me everything? And you go, yes, I gave it all. Look. And God goes, now your season's got to die for a while. Because just as God doesn't lie to us, he doesn't want us to lie to him. You can play with everybody else. You can call mama at home and tell her, oh, I just saw 10,000 touched. And Pastor Matt, let me lay hands on everybody. I preached for 10 minutes, mama. Oh, 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 but the proof is in the videotape. You getting that? The proof is, we, we got proof who actually got on stage. And I've never let a bank account or lack of finances stop my faith. I really haven't. I give everything away. I, if somebody blesses me, I'm going to give it away. Because I understand my suddenly just doesn't happen. I am planting seeds and seeds and seeds. And see, it's time to see what we saw on the inside begin to manifest on the outside. And the Lord spoke to me and said, son, the anointing will demand a miracle. I, I, I've got to begin to demand the miracles. You're not supposed to be here. Listen to what I'm saying. I, I believe if you're not winning, it's because you're whining. It's because you're dealing with all the junk. And I honestly believe that we have been so busy that we have gotten scared of the suddenlies. What if, what if all of a sudden in a chapel, I say, hey, what do you feel called to? Um, this, 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 children. What? I didn't know that. Okay, let me make a phone call. It's a suddenly. It's a suddenly. God says, I'm looking back when you didn't give up on me when your dad left. So suddenly. But don't try to rush the suddenly because you won't enjoy the process. You got what I'm saying? He told me to come preach to you. The suddenly. The, oh, 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 I'm looking at Josh. Josh, all this stuff says uh, all the time, I'm, I'm going to change the world. Okay. I believe it. But you got to change your sheets at the house first. You got to do the dumb little things. You got to ignore the call to go home. And stay focused on your target. Are you with me? He told me to preach this today. I didn't have time to write another sermon. I've been in crazy meetings. And, but God said, write it. Write it suddenly, suddenly, suddenly. I don't know if I ever share this again, but it's for you. He told me to share this. He, and see, we run from stepping into faith, and instead we hide in inconsistency. We don't step into faith. We, we, we can't even get to the trust part because we're still so inconsistent. We don't even have the faith part to lead to the trust part because we're skipping the steps. And, 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 and what you got to understand is everything Jesus did was about suddenlies, but it was because he had done the things in the process when he would slip away and pray, and the disciples couldn't find him. He was praying for what was going to happen when he went walking by a tree that produced no fruit. Then he said, I'll be back, buddy. I'm watching you. And I'm watching you. you got one day to produce some fruit. I'm going to go turn over some tables in here and flip over some things inside of my father's house because they turned into a den of thieves. He flips everything over. On his way back, the tree is dead. Well, there you go. Well, that was harsh. All environmentalists are like, my goodness, what's wrong with him? And he says, you're attached to me in John 15. And he said, I'm the vine near the branch. But if you aren't producing fruit, I'm throwing you in the fire. Because at some point, you got to grow up. At some point, you got to grab hold of this thing. At some point, you got to quit sexting without sexting. Just to keep something alive with somebody. At some point, you got to start thinking about everything you do. It's, uh, everything Jesus, Jesus did was a suddenly, but I have a life of suddenlies, but I look back and it wasn't sudden. And look what Webster says. And, uh, it defines it as suddenly as happening unexpectedly, changing angle all at once, marked by abruptness, brought about in a short time. That's what it means. But really, that 
that's not how suddenlies happen unless you're serving the enemy because you'll suddenly fall. I don't want to be caught off guard for what God's about to do, but I'm going to tell you straight up. I'm not waiting on anybody. I'm not helping you pack a suitcase. That's not my job. My job is to say, let's go. Be instant in season and out of season. My job is to say, we are going here. My team that is going here in, in, in the next couple hours to, to New Orleans, I want them ready for suddenlies because they've done the work in here so they can get there. See, it's not a, there's no suddenlies. And when they're laying hands on somebody on a street and watching them getting free, and then they go, past, past, suddenly it just happened. No! No, it didn't happen suddenly. It happened because you sat in here. You filled out your paperwork. It costs to have suddenly. You understand that, right? I, I got to hurry. And what I'm sharing is what separates the finishers from the starters. All through the Bible, every instant took place because of a process. There are no shortcuts. It is what separates the dreamers from those that accomplish it. Will you see the miracle or hear someone else's story? Will you see the miracle and be a part of it or just hear somebody's story? Some of y'all are okay with hearing everybody else's story. At some point, you got to quit being a commentator and start being a participator. you got to quit just commenting about what God did for somebody and telling their story and saying, I was there. I was there. I was there. I was there. I saw the eyes open. I saw the ears open. I saw the feet start working. I was there. I was a part of it. I was why? Because I did the little things. I prayed when they weren't praying. See, listen. I see the end, look, what, you need to write this down. I see the end result. And Pastor Jeremy, it pushes me past my present pain. <laughs> Isn't that good? I see the end result, and it pushes me past my moment, my present pain. It's 1 Peter 4.12. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. I love this verse. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process. With glory just around the corner. I'm going to read that verse again because should, I should literally have to punch somebody in the face right now and say, I'm still preaching. Watch. Look, friends, 1 Peter 4.12 in the message. When, friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't there anymore. He's, on, he's not on the job. He's taking a vacation. Instead, be glad that you're in the very thick of what Christ experienced. Listen, when you're going through hell, you're fellowshipping in his sufferings. When you're going through glory, you're fellowshipping in where he is now. It, no matter what you face, it's still tied to what Jesus went through. There's nothing you can go through that he hasn't faced. If you're truly in Christ, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. If you're in him, everything you walk through must be then tied to him. Somebody attacks you at home and go, well, you know what? The Pharisees attacked Jesus. His own family attacked him. Somebody dies. Jesus knows what it's like to lose a best friend. Somebody betrays you. Jesus, that happened to him. We just saw an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised that in the upper room. There's nothing as a believer. I'm giving you some basic foundational Christian stuff that as a believer you walk through that cannot be then tied to the life of Christ. Am I right? Blessings? Miracles? Look what it goes on to say. Be glad that you're in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is the spiritual refining process with glory coming just around the corner. <laughs> Suddenly! It's just around the corner. But you, get, you keep getting stuck on that avenue. You're still hanging out with the prostitutes on that corner. When you're supposed to walk past them. It's the process. And the suddenlies are what will keep you going. Listen, I love Matt. You got to look back at the promises of God. Malachi 3 1. Look what it says. Look, I'm sending my messenger on ahead to clear the way for me. That's John the Baptist. Forerunners, they're in this room. Suddenly, out of the blue, the leader you have been looking for will enter his temple. Yes, the messenger of the covenant, the one you've been waiting for. Look, he's on his way. A message from the mouth of God of the angel armies. Suddenly, that's what it says. 
C.S. Lewis said this. He said, God seems to do nothing himself which he can possibly delegate to his creatures. He commands us to, slow, to do slowly, blunderingly, what he could do perfectly in the twinkling of an eye. God says, I'm going to let y'all mess it up, screw it up, build it over the process, have to go back, apologize, fix it. He could do it instantly, but he says, I love you so much, I want you to do it. Even though with your clay, dirty hands, you're going to mess it up. God's promise is restoration. Look, Joel 2, I will pay you for the years the locusts have eaten. He, he, uh, the great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord. God says, I'll restore. It's Isaiah 66, verse 9. I'm almost done. Do I bring to the moment of birth? Look at this verse. Look at this verse. I love this. Do I bring to the moment of birth and not give delivery, says the Lord? Do I close up the wound when I bring to delivery, says your God? He doesn't, he doesn't get you in the living room. Water breaks. You're screaming. My guts are about to explode out of this belly. I'm going to die. Close it up. No! He doesn't do that. He says, push. Because soon you'll hear the cry of your miracle. Push. 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 It's going to be messy, but push. Because when you push, it's going to get gross. It's going to be like that. When Nate came out, I thought he was an alien. And I'm like, my God, somebody get me a water hose. And, but push, 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 push. You won't appreciate the baby if you just say, poof, there it is. You got to push. See, there's the process. There's the process. Some of you boys are saying, yeah, I know what you're saying. No, you don't. Till you have a kidney stone, then you'll be like, push, my God. Oh, let's move on. Let me give you five attitudes for suddenlies, and I'll get ready to close. Number one, be tuned into God. God speaks when we least expect it. Matthew 3, 17, and suddenly, <laughs> there's that suddenly, a voice came from heaven and said, this is my son. I love what Luke 18 says, will he find you faithful? I could go through this whole thing of being tuned in, Samuel. The process of his mother begging God and acting like a drunk woman for a child. Saying, I'll give you a kid if you give him to me. Then Samuel laying, dedicated to the temple. Child is born. Then in the middle of the night, he hears the word, Samuel. That wasn't a suddenly that interrupted his night. That was a process of a mama not willing to give up till she had her baby. A Hannah who could ignore the one who taunted her name, Panina. It's the process. And Elkanah, the husband, not even having any idea. Just let me just take my kids to church because that's what I do twice a year. I'm the priest. See, there's a process. It's, it's that old process. It's, it's, uh, I, I, I'm tuned in, man. Sometimes he'll just say things to me, and I'm like, really? I love what my dad said to me yesterday. He said something really cool. He said, son, isn't it cool that God can hold the seas in his hand? He can span the universe with, one, with the breath of his hand. Yet he chooses to constrain himself and live in me. <laughs> it's a dichotomy of thinking. The king, I said this. I shared that on the interview yesterday to a very large un-Jesus audience in Phoenix. They'll be playing it this Sunday morning. And I said, because they go, well, how come the, the, the radio guy says to me, how do you know God is personal? And I used that quote. I said, he's in me. I hear his voice. He talks to me. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Well, he don't talk to me. We ain't read your Bible. Because he speaks through his word. That's what his word, that's what the Bible says. I speak through my word. People come up to me and go, I need a word, brother. Good. B-I-B-L-E. First, there you go. There's a word. See, listen to his voice. It's Proverbs 28, 18. He whose walk is blameless is kept safe, but he whose way is a perverse will suddenly fall. There's the suddenly. You will fall. God doesn't put up with junk. Number two, be vigilant. We have to respond to the storms of life when we least expect it. Don't react, but act upon when those storms hit. Remember, tie it to the character of Jesus. Did he go through this? Be vigilant. Be, it's 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant. The devil's going to pounce. It's Matthew 8, 24. And suddenly a great tempest rose up on the sea so that the boat was covered with waves, but he was asleep. 
you got to learn how to wake God up. Did he, was he going to let those disciples drown in that boat when the storm was getting, when they were, they're going underwater? I mean, there's water filling the boat, and these are fishermen. They know it's about time to abandon ship. He's at the bottom of the boat sleeping. He was just waiting on somebody to wake him up. He comes walking up and goes, do you not know who's in this boat? Waves lay down. They bowed because they recognized the voice that made them. Rain, stop. Yes, sir. Wind, stop it. Because they understood the voice that was speaking to them was the voice of creation. If you understand that in your storm, the voice of creation, the voice of your very life, the voice of your existence is speaking to you. It changes the way you respond to things. You understand he's in the boat. You understand he hasn't gone anywhere. Are you getting this? That, 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 uh, it, it's, it's Proverbs 6 verse 15. Um, you know what I'm learning? You earn stars through scars. You know what I'm saying? You earn your stars. We are bright and shining stars. You, you earn them through the scars. And Proverbs 6, verse 15, Therefore his calamity will come suddenly, instantly. He will be broken, and there will be no healing. You need to understand the only time suddenlies are suddenlies is when the enemy's involved, but really they weren't suddenlies. There's no such thing as a suddenly. So what do I got to tell you? Be prepared. I think it's Luke 17 where he says, Hey, hey. Get on the roof, forget everything in the house, because I'm coming back like lightning. Don't be like Lot's wife. And he goes on to say, and don't be like Lot's wife. <laughs> I love that verse, because he pulls out some Old Testament, throws in a New Testament, because the Old Testament's Christocentered. He said, don't be like Lot's wife. In other words, don't be always looking back at what you could have been. Look forward to where I'm taking you. Be prepared. Bible says uh, in Matthew, in Mark thirteen verse thirty six, if he sudden, if he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. We all got gifts and talents. We're all stewards of grace. Second Corinthians six one says that. Number four, be ready. I got to wrap up right here. There will be demands on your anointing that will come, and if you aren't ready, you're going to fail. It's what happened yesterday, standing in a parking lot. Pat, tell me where do I bury my son when he dies? I'd bury him wherever you like to go rest. What town do you rest in? That's where you should bury him. Here's my book. I was ready. I was ready. I didn't say, I don't know, bro. Seriously, I have no idea. Y'all work that out. I just bury him wherever you like to go rest. Where do y'all have fun at? That's where he should be at. I didn't say God's going to heal him because God didn't tell me he was going to heal him. And then that's, and that's where that theos, theology comes in, the, the theos of why do bad things happen to good people and all that stuff that we can get so caught up in. And that's why C.S. Lewis said the number one argument for atheism, atheism is, is pain. Matthew 9, 20, and suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. Again, that wasn't suddenly. Nine, is it nine years? Twelve years. It's not suddenly. She had been studying who the Messiah would be, and she understood Psalms 91, that he shall rise up with healing in his wings. The wings is the hem of the garment. The wings is where the end of the prayer cloth is. She knew if he really is the real deal, and Malachi said healing will rise up in his wings. And if Psalm 91 says that he covers me with his wings, the wings is down there. I'm crawling to this guy. If he's the real deal, I've not been. This isn't a sudden moment. I've been studying for years because I want to find the one that can heal me because no doctors can heal me, and I've spent all my money. I ain't got no more money to go to another Mayo Clinic. I can't go for another test. Nobody wants to see me. The priest makes fun of me. He mocks me every week and says, I can't come outside because I'm bleeding all over everybody. So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my long, long journey and turn it into a right now. Suddenly. What do you mean, Pat? Oh, there's so much more. There's so much more I could share, but be expectant. I want this team to move into expectancy expectancy encounters will God with God will happen when we least expect them do your homework and you'll handle the pop quiz read when 
There's nothing worse than sitting in class saying, I'm going to give a pop quiz real quick on chapter 5 through 7. But I was waiting tonight to read it. Well, you're going to fail the quiz. I'm going to read when everybody else is playing. I'm going to pray when everyone else is partying. I'm going to dance before him when everyone else is sleeping. That's why he said to the disciples, Hey, could you not have just stuck with me one hour? Because what's happening right now is the end result of thousands of years. It started in a garden. And you're about to miss your moment, disciples. You're missing the fulfillment of the promise. It's Acts 2. And suddenly there came a sound. (laughs) Can I just tell you, Jesus told us over and over that wasn't going to be a suddenly. He gave him a promise from Luke 24 to John chapter 14. I'll leave you with my counselor so you won't be an orphan. But it was a suddenly to the 120 that had nothing left. They needed a breakthrough. Does anybody need a breakthrough? This is it. I'm I'm, going to close Let me tell you about the jailer who needed a suddenly. And in Acts chapter 16. I'm going to take you through this one little chapter. We'll start with verse 6. There's about 34 verses real quick I'm going to read to you, but then I'm done. DJ, you need a suddenly. But it's not a suddenly, is it? Do you see what all it took to be able to hand you that $100? Go ahead. I'm learning right now. It's what he said to me on Sunday. When you get home, tell everyone you're falling off the grid. I don't have to explain it to anybody. I just need some Jesus. Did you go hide away and fast for three days? No. I just, I turned this off. I said to Karen on Sunday night, Pastor Karen, I just said, I need to turn this off. I don't know how to turn this off. I got to turn it off because it never stops. I said, this is how people become mad men. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 16, verse 6, and this is the last part of this message. Suddenly isn't very sudden, is it? How many of you getting your faith back? And the Bible says in verse 6, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit would not allow them to go. Just wouldn't allow them to go. In other words, they were planning on going to these places. They were packed for these places, but because they did the process. Write this down. Interrupted by vision. How many of you would have thought two years ago that are new here, you would be sitting right here today? You got interrupted by vision. You got interrupted by something bigger than you. Didn't you, Brendan? It's bigger than you. And it's amazing because everybody else has plans for you, but then suddenly you're sitting here, and when you first tell your parents, but you were interrupted by this thing called vision. God always speaks through vision. Look, 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 what it, look what it says right here. So they passed Maja and went down to Troas. They went past where they had planned on going. I went past the club. I went past the college I thought I was going to go to. I went past the culinary school. I went past all. I, and went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a Macedonian standing and begging him. I wonder if he had a vision of a jailer. Because many believe that's who he saw. Watch. Because there's a jailer who needed a suddenly. Standing and begging him, come to Macedonia and help us. Now, there's no churches in Macedonia at this point. And they're about to go to a city called Philippi that no one is even saved there. The Jews don't even go there. You're about to see the birth of a church. Watch. Watch. This is good. 
concluding that God has called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight from uh, Samothrace. And then the next day we went to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. Number two. Prayer leads to the first convert. Watch this. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the woman who had, to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to, to her home. They went to a riverbed, led some people to Christ, out of Judaism into Christianity and said, well, let's go ahead and do this right now. We're at the river. Let's, I know y'all just having a meeting. Let's baptize you right here. Suddenly. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. They went and they had no place to stay, but then they suddenly had, it wasn't suddenly, but then confrontation interrupts there suddenly. It started with a vision. Verse 16, once we were going to the place of prayer where we met by a, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are the servants of the most high God. Isn't that cool right there? Demons will announce who you are. Who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul becomes so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Uh Oh, here goes the economy. He has just commanded a woman that made a lot of money for a lot of people. They mess with the economy, and that's when riots start happening to you. (laughs) Then there comes the moment. We must have missed it, number four, because we must have missed it. I mean, because watch what happens. When our owners realize that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates, said, these men are Jews. They're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack. You know we're going to have a bad day when the crowd gets on their side. And and the crowd joined in the attack. and, and against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely ripped to pieces, severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them. There's the jailer. Oh, let me, let me interrupt right here. But you gave me a vision to go to forerunner school. You gave me a, pri- a vision to go to the nations. You gave me a vision to go on a mission trip. You didn't tell me that I would get sick. You didn't tell me that I would be broke. You didn't tell me I'd go to that school and be tired. You gave me a vision because you don't, you want the suddenly without the process. But the Holy of Holy looks different sometimes. Write that down. The Holy of Holy looks different. What do you mean? And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell. I did a study on inner cell. It's the exact word used in the Greek to describe Holy of Holies. It's also the exact word used to describe Jesus when he became the Holy of Holies. You ain't getting this. (laughs) You ain't getting this. The jailer comes in, takes them away. He's ordered, you watch these men. Like they were murderers or something. He says, I'm not putting you with the regular folks. I'm going to put you in the secret place. What you call prison, God calls holy of holies. What you call your jail cell, God calls the place where I'm going to refine you. Until you get into the inner cell, the holy of holies. That's why they were able to worship because Paul understood the holy of holies. That's why they were beginning to be able to pray out loud and start praying in the spirit. Because God took them and segregated them from the rest of the population because God says you need a prayer closet son you've been busy lately casting demons out of people but you ain't had an encounter lately I know you just got beat today you didn't do anything wrong that was an end result of a person that that, that was greedy but I want you to know something son I'm going to take you during your trials and tribulation of your prison and I'm going to turn your prison into a prayer closet I'm going to turn your prison into the very back of Jesus that was torn that you can step into him because if any man be in Christ he's a new creation your inner cell is the place where you get to know him it's where you learn him it says his back was ripped apart so that i could get into him what are you talking about pat jesus body was ripped open so i could crawl into him i am grafted to him romans 13 it's an understanding that no matter what you're facing then if you handle the inner cell right suddenly 
suddenly, 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 ha <laughs> watch, 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 watch. They were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly can be scary because <laughs> it's not how you thought he was going to do it. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And all at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. The jailer, the jailer, the jailer, the jailer, the jailer, who would later become the founder of the Philippian church. The jailer, the jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to commit suicide because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're still here. Stop right there. Because this is where most of us miss it in minutes we would have fled thinking it was God's moment to get us out there but he understood the job wasn't done I may feel released I may feel thy chains off me but he ain't done with me here yet I gotta finish what I started he gave me a vision of somebody and I've yet to meet that somebody till just now and that somebody's got a sword about to take his life because he feels like a failure and he screams out what must I do to be saved The jailer, here comes the reason for the suddenly. Here's your reason for your suddenly watch. The jailer called for the lights. Turn the lights on. <laughs> oh, my back hurts. I got beat. I had a vision of you. You're supposed to get saved. I just got beat so that I could start a move of God in Philippi that I could later write letters to you into the largest city in Macedonia, the first church in Europe. This is the first church in Europe, by the way. The very first church in Europe right here. This is the first church right here. It starts right here. And this is it. Sirs, what do I got to do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved and your house. Suddenly. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in the room. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And immediately he and all his household were baptized. And the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was f- filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. It suddenly produces your influence. Because watch what happens. I'm not going to read it because I'm done. Basically, the whole town said, Get him out of here. Get him out of here. Paul said, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. You come and escort me out and give me a parade because you're trying to hide what God has done. And I now have the upper hand because everywhere I go, I mess up property taxes. Everywhere I go, I don't go by myself. I go with someone that anointed me to lead the suddenlies. I had a suddenly. I got knocked off a horse. Then I went through three years of Bible college. That's what happened to Paul. Remember, he tried to go preach after he got knocked off the horse. And some of the disciples met with him privately and said, Hey, um, look, we think you've had an encounter with God, but you're scaring the bejesus out of us. Because you are a murderer and you still hold a Roman ring on your finger that says you can have us killed. Do you mind going to college for three years? And he disappears from Acts 7. Acts 9. I believe it's 9 and 11. It's one of those. But Paul didn't have a suddenly. His suddenly started when he was holding a guy's jacket who was willing to die, seeing his face light up and look and smile as Jesus stands and says, let me welcome home royalty. And Paul, who is Saul, is going, these people are crazy. This jacket now belongs to a martyr. So when he got knocked off his horse, his suddenly had started with a stoning. Some of you about to have some suddenlies because you've been doing it right. You ready for your suddenly? You ready? Because you were free before this semester. But you hadn't seen why you're here yet. 
the vision. Who are you going to save from the sword? Who in this room is wanting to fall on the sword? Pastor Jeremy, can I tell your story? Pastor Jeremy has an old car. He gives it to his dad for Christmas. Mom and dad can't believe it. Somebody walks up and hands him $2,500. Another guy comes to him and says, I got a better car. Same, same model, same type. But I can give it to you this and then I'm going to help pay for it. But it started when we were talking on the phone and you said, you know, God's told me to give this car away. And we didn't know. It wasn't a suddenly when you handed $2,500. It was a process to the suddenly. Suddenlies, my friends, are not suddenlies. They're just the end result of doing it right. God told me to come and tell you, Elijah, wait on the suddenly. But you'll never see the suddenly if you're not doing the right things. If you're giving in to this or giving in to discouragement. I wonder how often God's standing back smiling going, you just don't know what's around this corner. A few more steps, come on. And you're like, I'm just going to stay right here. I'm going to camp out right here in my own misery. But God's going, come on, a little farther. Just walk around the corner. If you just get around the corner, why won't you come around the corner? I've got a suddenly. But you're too caught up in the street vendors. You're too caught up in what's happening on the street. Yeah, we'll get that next vacation. Next time we're here, we'll go around the corner. And God is saying, I never called you to camp. I called you to march. I called you to go to the next level. This is what he told me to come share today, Ariel. There's a suddenly real close to you right now. I feel it in my spirit. I don't know where. I'm afraid of it because I don't want to lose you. But I feel there's a suddenly. I told Matt last week, I said... I said, man, I, I see God's hand on a door, and I'm not being weird. Because, man, when I was growing up, every prophecy was the hand is on the door, and I'm coming back. No, it's none of that weird stuff. I'm like, please don't open it. I'm not ready. But I saw it with Matt. That's what he showed me. When I was praying, I seen this belt buckle on Jesus with all these keys. I'm like, Lord, what is that? He said, pick the door. Pick the key. I'll give you the door. Don't get the big one because you're not ready for that door yet. It won't work because he's giving you a door right now, and each buddy, everybody's door is different. You just got to grab the keys. I'll give you the power and authority, whatever's on earth. You can bind it. Whatever you bind on earth can be bound in heaven. And that, that verse there literally means keys. I'll give you the authority for your next level. 